Ladies and gentlemen, the questions you've all been asking are now being answered. Welcome to another edition of It's All About Who You Know, the podcast where influential people talk big topics in sports, faith, and more. Your host is a former Oregon State wrestler. He has a 4.9 star Uber rating and is currently undefeated in his MMA career. Here is Christian Robertson. Ish Ward. <laughs> wow. How long has it been? Has it been three years since we've talked on the phone? Uh, yeah, man. It's been about three years. Okay. It's well, been a Dang, man. It's good to see your face. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, it's good to hear you, man. How you been? How you been? I, I've been good, man. I uh, live in Portland now. Um, you know, training. I'm about to move to Mexico here in a, shoot, like nine days. I'm going to be, I'm gonna be oh, really? living in Mexico for a few months. Yeah. So I'll be there from okay. like October 18th to January 18th or something. I haven't got a return flight yet, so we'll see. Might, uh, what are you uh, doing over there? Um, I'm going to be, uh, well, I don't want to tell too much because I'm doing a vlog about it, but, uh, long okay. story short, okay. uh, I just, I want to, uh, I want to learn Spanish and get better at boxing. So I found, uh, I, guess. I feel okay. like, uh, Mexico is known for their boxing and their Spanish coincidentally. <laughs> so <laughs> what about yourself, man? You in an apartment right now? Is that what I'm seeing? Uh, no, I'm in a computer lab. I'm actually at school right now still. Oh, are you? Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm just working on finishing my degree. So okay. I'm still in school. Um, I'm at T now, so it's it's been going good. Uh, cool. But I've got a cool. couple more semesters. Say that again. Done. You're I'm at TU in Tulsa okay. University. Okay, cool. And then, uh, so yeah. you're going for your bachelor's? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then so. what's uh, what's your bachelor's in? Uh, mechanical engineering. So, <laughs> yeah. I'll take my easy degree, man. I'm, I'm good. I got it. It's all, uh, it's all good. I'm, I don't need a, a mechanical engineering degree, man. So what's, it's all what's good, legal, man? man? You got a, you got a, a lady in your life? How are you, you married yet? What's, what's, what's been up? No, with, no. Uh, big highlights. Last it's really leaving NEO, what are like some of the big milestones that have happened in your life? I mean, we've kept in touch a little bit, but never, not on the phone yeah. too much not on the phone or anything um really it's just been um school and then um kind of just things with family like uh, my brother is uh he's uh actually about to be in med school so um that's one of the things he's been working on he just took his mcat and did very well um on it a couple weeks ago and so that was really big for my family. And then yeah. um, now my yeah. little sister is uh, is in college as well too. So that's pretty monumental too. But uh, for me, it's just been um, really just school and work. You know, I've just been uh, trying to learn as much as I can um, about what I'm going to be doing once I get out. And yeah. so I've been kind yeah. of getting a lot of like certifications and different things like. Um, I don't know if you know what AutoCAD and stuff like that is, but um, I've been able to get a couple certifications in that and then um, just come back and finish the degree. So once I get out, I'll have enough skills. So that's about it, really. <laughs> Nothing yeah. exciting. Is AutoCAD, is that, is it it's AutoCAD or AutoCAD? Uh, it's AutoCAD. So it's like, uh, basically like, you can like, draw, oh, you can like draw I, parts yeah. for uh, pretty much anything. Gotcha. You can um, a, draw online. It's a big architectural design program too, isn't it? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So that, people use it as well for housing and stuff, gotcha. for like foundations for housing and stuff like that too. Pretty much anything. <laughs> yeah. I remember doing that. Oh, maybe I was in eighth grade in high school, but I, I learned how to get, uh, put two lines together. So that was about, <laughs> that's about my AutoCAD experience. Uh, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, workshop and what's the uh, Express or ex Excel, um, what's the document one in Excel where you like the spreadsheet? I'm terrible at okay. those two. Yeah. So any class involving those, I always knew. I was like, all right, we're going to get a big fat F. We're going to cheat our way to a C. Which one's it going to be? Which <laughs> one? So I won't that's tell you one. which one I took. I'll just tell you I have a degree. So yeah. that's <laughs> 
It's about as far as All right, that's good. So that's what good. about um, what about faith, man? Like, how's uh, like how's your faith been? How's it? I, I mean, for me, it's been tough with uh, with COVID. How have you been just addressing that? Because I remember when when we left NEO, I remember Gus. He said something that I don't think I'll ever forget. It. He said Mish Ward is almost in perfect position like the a guy that you can say is doing exactly what he was called to do like maybe not wow. like where he's you know, like eventually supposed to be but like is on that path you know and some people kind of deviate you know but yeah, yeah and yeah. I, I it stuck with me i was like that's i think that's pretty accurate so what's like well, i i appreciate you saying that oh yeah, um, no problem brother well um yeah i don't know man like for me it's uh yeah, this past, um, this year, the past few months has been pretty rough. Uh, just with everything going on, I was actually in a job. And when the thing happened with COVID and everything, I was one of the people that, you know, was unfortunately laid off for a little while. And um, it just, for me, it was a good time to grow, you know, personally. I think that, like, when you get a lot of time where you're actually just kind of by yourself and with your family more than usual, you kind of get to continue to learn more about yourself. And so, especially with me and my family, uh, we just spent more time like in the Lord, just learning on things that we need to work on, weaknesses we have like in ourselves and strengthening that. So, um, you know, it won't be a problem later on. So I think the, the great thing about this unfortunate situation is that when you have times like this, it's a great time to get into the word, grow in your personal self, you know, and realize, you know, what kind of what's going next forward. What am I going to be doing forward from this? Yeah. You know, it, I know a lot of other people, unfortunately, there's been a lot of stuff with like people getting depression and stuff, yeah. uh, you know, that with all this going on and, um, depression, suicide, divorce, all those numbers are, all those stuff roof. yeah i think i think record high for i don't know if the world but i think for america for sure and america already has a um you know a mental health problem as it is problem. and right. and so you know coupling with you know i don't think it's as uh prudent as the covid and the coronavirus but i definitely think it lingers for sure you know and quality yeah. of life but um yeah, I think everybody's kind of facing it, especially those first few weeks. Now we're kind of getting, I feel like, in a routine. Because I remember yeah, those first yeah. few weeks, I was like, it was weird. It was like, okay, a couple of weeks of online church, you know, that's cool. Like, we can do the Zoom calls and everything, and that's great. And then it just really, like, you could kind of, like, strung along. We are like, you just slowly detach from community. And it, yeah. I don't know. That's been my experience a little bit. Uh just with and i've been praying about this a lot but like with uh moving to, moving to a new state or not a new state but a new place so i go from living in a house with um you know great people that work at my church to moving mm -hmm. to the most unchurched city in the united states the i mean <laughs> portland is the epicenter for everything wrong in the world right now we've got riots we've got looting we've got you know all, every church is closed, like just bad stuff. And then not to mention, we got yeah. fires, you know, just, just I've to heard, sprinkle yeah. on it. Um, so it's been, uh, as far as community goes, I know you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Yeah, um, you good, you good. <laughs> uh, so I, it's, I don't know, in my opinion, it's time to open up. It's time to, you know, we, we live in a free society and that comes yeah. with its risks, but we, uh, we also have the ability to take our own risks. And, you know, America is one of those few countries that there may be a, you know, almost a really low floor, but there's also no ceiling to how far, how far you can go. And, and the floor yeah. is a lot higher than the most other places, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, for here, like where I'm at Oklahoma, it's, it's a lot different. Yeah. I mean, pretty much everything is open already, I would say. Uh, we're still kind of holding precautions, I guess, but it's it's quite open. I mean, it wasn't really, um, even with the whole, uh, in the beginning, you know, back in March, yeah. it was still not super closed down like I've heard in other places. Yeah. Um, so it's, it honestly here, it hasn't really been 
I would say throughout the past few months, uh, a total shutdown. It's yeah. more just kind of been like everybody kind of, you know what you need to do, yeah. stay six feet, you know, and um, that's about it. But I mean, I've heard in Portland a lot about um, all of that basically, basically it's basically like ghost town almost, right? It's cr well, almost. I mean, it's, it's crazy because um, there's just like a, a hypocrisy almost like some people, you know, they'll put on the mask and they'll do the six feet thing, but then they'll go get an Uber and it's like, what? and then the whole time yeah. they're like, yeah, we just need to social distance and everything. And it's like, like, like right touching there. your shoulder, bro. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Um, no. So there's, you know, there's that. I, okay. So listen to this. So I picked up a, uh, so I, so if people, if anybody's listening that says like, oh, the riots, they're not, you know, the media blows them out of proportion. That is a hundred percent not true. I have driven through the riots. Like it is bad. It is yeah. everything you've seen. Um, I haven't seen. Really? It's so bad. I mean, if you go to downtown Portland right now, it is one of the worst places like scenery. I mean, I've been to third world countries and it looks just like that. I've been to third world countries <laughs> that horrible spots in those countries look better than downtown Portland right and now. That. <laughs> homeless tents everywhere. Cause they, uh, you can't do anything. You can't move the tents. You can't move. So somebody can go, I could go steal a tent. So, so listen to this, I can go steal a tent and a security card can't do anything. He's not allowed to physically stop me. They're just supposed, and so that's what, so that jacks up the prices for, you know, stuff that is, uh, stolen for the consumer that's going to buy it. I can go steal okay. it and then park it on a public street and nobody can do anything about it. Really? Wow. So, <laughs> It's ridiculous. I, don't, I mean, <laughs> if that happened in Oklahoma, what would happen? Somebody would be like, hey, bro, get the heck out of here. Like, yeah, you know, like the, the thing is, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's insane. I mean, somebody, some homeless lady pulled a knife on one of my dad's employees down here a couple weeks ago. What? And the police didn't even go in the tent because they saw needles. So I don't even know what the, what the. Uh, that's insane. It's crazy. It's crazy. And then uh, a buddy of mine who's going to be a police officer was looking into Portland and he was talking yeah. to multiple police officers here and they're like, dude, do not come here. Really? Like, don't, don't be a cop here. Like the things they're telling us and making us do now um, it is like, we, we can't do anything. Like, and it's yeah. so bad. Like we're, you know, we're so underserviced and below our means of what we can do that like it's i mean it's gonna get worse so it's it's crazy but um and a lot of people are you know moving out of california and portland but uh i don't know course, I, there's yeah. there's something about it i kind of i kind of like being the uh the odd guy out you know yeah so yeah i think you know the everything going on it's just especially for police officers it's very hard for them i mean yeah. i think the majority are good you know, the majority of police officers are good and they're getting a really bad rep just because of a few guys that, a few officers that did, you know, something bad. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's really sad to see, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I want to, I this is a big reason because we've messaged back and forth about this. And I want to get your take on it Yeah. because it seems like one officer to me looking from an outsider looking in, it seems like if you're black and you're in an altercation with a white officer, the white officer can do nothing right. No matter what you've done, like you, you could literally have just murdered six children. And it seems like that white officer, like no matter what they do, it's going to be called police brutality, racism, like you name it. Is that, yeah. is that, I mean, that's me looking in. Is that accurate in a sense? Is that how you feel I, about it? I mean, the way I feel about it is, um, that like if you're a police officer, you're the law. Like it's just it's kind of how it, that's how it is. You're the law. So they what they've kind of done is they've taken this race thing and made thing that like if someone is a certain race, then somehow they should be treated a certain different way by the law. And I've seen this goes both ways, but like race shouldn't be an issue when it comes to this. If somebody's doing something wrong, and most of these cases that have done with these, uh, that I've seen with these uh, uh, police brutality things, they were with people that were, you know, resisting arrest, you know, or repeat offenders, stuff like that. So it's not like they're just 
you know, uh, walking down the street, you know, you know, walking their dog and somebody yeah. just came out and yeah. them, you know, yeah. that's, that's what I don't really understand is I think that it's gotten so emotional that there's really no logic to it. Nobody's really looking deep in the details to see, okay, well, let's break this down. How did this happen? You know, it can't just be, he just came up to him and just, you know, tackled them. Yeah. A lot, a lot of the yeah. cases are, he was either resisting arrest, he was a pre-defender, he had maybe drugs in the system or something like that. There's, it's not, it's, it's there's more to the story than what the media could be portraying. Yeah. That's what, uh, that's another point that we should talk about too, is that you should see how the media kind of portrays a role in actually giving the information that people are receiving. Because I feel like, uh, you know, it's like watching a bad YouTube video, you know, I, 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 hear me out here. Which so none like, of my, in my defense, <laughs> my channel has zero of those. I have no bad YouTube yeah, they, videos. So we're just, we just need to clarify that. So nobody's, you know, you yeah. can watch a bad YouTube video. You just can't find it at my channel. Continue. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, what I'm saying is like, say if you're watching a video, right? And you know how there's like different qualities of watching uh, the video. So you got like the lowest quality is probably 144 or something like that. And it yeah. goes up to 10 or 4k or whatever. So I feel like you could be, this is what the media does. Like you can get the same information, right? And they could show you that information at 144 P, 144p, right? So you're seeing it, but you're not really seeing the whole picture. You're not seeing it as clear. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're seeing like the way they want you to see it. Yeah. And so the, the way that you have to do with these things is you have to get the information from both sides, do the research for yourself and come up with your own opinion of what's happening. That's how news should be, is that they're supposed to be transparent by doing that. But um, that's why, I mean, it's the age of information. You can find literally anything really yeah. to be honest. So I think that's what's really important that people should do is they should go and find the information from themselves. You can't just always listen to what somebody tweets out or stuff like that. You gotta go and look, search for it. It takes work. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It does take work. And it's frustrating because, you know, you get you just get this complete media bias. And, and hey, I get it. You know, I'm a I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. I'm a Christian. Like I'm biased. But I I try to do my very level best to make sure that what I believe and what I'm putting out is true. And exactly. yeah. because if it's not true, I don't want to believe it. I, I don't want to live in this guise of, oh, this is what I believe. You know, I've tested my faith. I've tested my political views. Um, I've tested almost every aspect of my life. Um, and I've, been, I've had it put to the test in conversation. I've had it put to the test in practice. I've looked it up. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like when that happens, you come back stronger if you're objective and you, you either change your mind on something or you're reaffirmed in what you already believe. You know, like right. you know, with my faith, like I've, I've had multiple people, I had uh, people very close in my life that were very staunch atheists that would love nothing more than to see me denounce Jesus and turn away from that and live this atheistic, scientific, miserable life, which that agenda sounds very similar to me. Uh, I can't remember where I've read it, but it seems similar in a sense. Anyway, um, but I, I've left those conversations feeling stupid. I've left those conversations feeling unequipped and uninformed and questioning my faith. And I've gone and done the research and I've left that being more assured of my faith, finding the truth yeah. and having a better grasp of what I believe. And now I can go and, and I don't even want to call them debates. I try not to debate uh, as much as possible. I like to have conversation. Now, sometimes yeah. people will want to debate you and in a debate, what is mostly going to happen is it's going to be more beneficial for the people listening, not the mm -hmm. people debating. Right. And yeah. if you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, you want to avoid that as much as possible because you, it's just those two people. So you want to have that conversation. You want to come to the table with ideas. Um, but if it's a debate, you're going to stand your ground and be like, no, it, all the preparation, like I'm sticking with my guns on this and I'm going to try to convince the audience, you know? So I try to stay out of that as much as possible, but you know, it's the same kind of thing. It's like, I, what were we talking about? I, I know, regardless, I was just saying, like, um, I lost my train of thought, but I, but basically, like, 
I want to know what's true. And it's very hard to get that from media sources. I think some sources are less biased than others. Um, but there's always a spin on it in some way or another. And I feel like as me as an objective person, like, I, you know, I like Fox News, but some people at Fox News really annoy me. Um, I can't stand CNN, but some people at CNN, like, I'm like, okay, I, I can agree with what they're saying. Um, right. And it's the same thing. Well, I mean, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, you're good. Uh, I think that's very important. I think just the whole point of it is trying to find the truth. That should be the foundational thing of what you're trying to do. Like whenever you're trying to find information and, you know, develop like your own ideas or develop even yourself, it should be on the basis of truth, you know? Yeah. And I think that's like, that's like really the basis of Christianity. Like mm-hmm. is really understanding you have to have, you know, God is true. And whatever that goes against that, that's what I, I can't have that in represent as a representation of me. And so like that it ties with everything you do in terms of, you know, politics and all of that mm-hmm. and people you meet, people you talk to, like you were saying to about debates and stuff. It's just, you want to make sure that what you're saying is the truth because it does impact people and it, what if you're doing it wrong it can impact negatively yeah. and affect their lives and so yeah. what, uh, I think everybody should think about is instead of just trying to prove yourself right or prove somebody else wrong you should just see is like is what I'm saying in create uh, sending the right message that's what it should be like the sending the, the right message of truth so yeah yeah no I think that's a great point too like with our faith like you know, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Yeah. So so when we look at that, you know, something that's not true is defined of his character. And and I think, and this is what I tell people all the time. People ask me, oh, are you, you know, you're so, they say like, oh, you're political, or are you political? I'm not political. I have a worldview, and Pollux just has a stake in that worldview. Does yeah. that make sense? So yeah. like, I have, I have this way I look at the world. I view the world in a certain way. And politics is just the means of, making policy on that, that allows me to live my life in that way. So yeah, I'm going to vote a way that I think best accommodates for that. You know, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm going to vote I, the way you believe. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And I think most people yeah. need to do that. And I don't think people, so, I mean, I've, I've gotten heat before for being a Trump supporter and listen, his rhetoric. Yeah. I, I've equated this to, you know, a coach. Sometimes a coach will come in and yell at you and, and scream and stuff. But if the team's winning, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, maybe you don't like how they do it. Maybe they can do it better. Sure. But you don't argue with the results. And that's how I feel personally. And I feel like that individual uh, represents my worldview the best. I don't agree with everything he says. And I don't agree with every policy he's put out. But I feel like the if you're going to vote for one or two candidates, you got to find the one that represents you as a human being the best. The best. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I tell people. I'm just like, hey, if, if you know, if you're a Christian, and which most Christians kind of go under the guise of, you know, I want the ability to worship, um, you know, I'm pro pro life, like, pro life. Uh, I feel like I should have the ability to defend myself, to make money, to provide for my family, um, the freedom to choose my job, and so if you have these, if you have these desires, and, and you want to be protected, so you know, like border security, that's a big one that people get into. Um, like that's a direct, clear way of protecting, like we need secure borders. And so I would just say, like, if you have certain ideals as a human being, go and vote for those ideals. Exactly. I I totally agree with everything you just said. I think that like, uh, you know, it's just like important when you're also like dealing with like your ideals, like when you're going on that, because a lot of people, the whole thing with these two politicians, Trump and, and Biden, is just like, they feel like it's picking between the lesser of two evils or something yeah. like that. But um, I just, for me personally, I think that um, Trump is the better out of the two because uh, back in like 2016, you know, people are, honestly, people are just tired of politics in general. Yeah. And I, like, uh, Trump, he's just, he's just a raw, he's just a businessman. He just says how he, he, he feels. You're going to get 
exactly who Trump is. There's no like mask up front. Oh, I'm going to promise you this and all this. Mm-hmm. He says what he wants to do, and then he puts the action towards what he wants. You know, whatever it is, what he wants to do. Sure. And it, that's just not going to happen with, um, in my opinion, to with Joe Biden. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I, I tell people this all the time, too. I'm like, you got to put yourself in what, what's what, what's the golden rule? Put yourself in somebody else's shoes or treat other people how you want to be treated, but also putting yourself in other people's shoes. Uh, yeah. If you're a billionaire, if you're worth seven billion dollars and politics are the most, you know, there's two there's two groups of people you don't trust. You don't t- trust Hollywood and you don't trust politicians. You know, those people. Yeah. You just don't trust them. So if you're worth $7 billion, you could buy out anybody you want, any of these politicians that get in the game for money. You could put somebody in office if you want to. Like you can, you know, buy into their campaign and then that person's right. yours. You know, you you put a billion dollars in their campaign, you help them raise a billion dollars, that person's yours and you can do what you want and nobody ever has to know. And that's what that's people have been do. doing for hundreds of years. So I, when I put myself in his shoes, I think if I was worth $7 billion, why would I get into politics? And he said this on Oprah in the nineties or eighties. He said, mm-hmm. no, she asked, would you ever run? Um, and he's like, no, I don't think I would um, unless it got so bad that I thought I, I would have to. And I think he still has that same ideology. I think he still has that same demeanor of, I don't like where this is going and I want to help. And this is who I am. And he's not a perfect person, uh, but right. I, I think putting yourself in somebody's shoes like that, just ask yourself, why would he do it? It's not to get more money. It's not to get more popularity. He already had those things. He's lost both of those. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, truly, I, I, I truly believe it's because he wanted to help the American people and keep the American dream, which him and his family lived alive. Right, I think, I think so too. I mean, when you look at just his history uh, of his family coming to American, all that. It's literally the ideal, like American dream, like everything that could have happened that anybody coming to America wanted is what happened to his family. And so I I think just in general, that's what he wants in general for the American people. And he just kind of saw it turning the wrong way. And he's like, I feel like I need to, I feel like I have something that can help. And I feel that's what he's about. So and he's, I mean, he's like 74, but he still has like a, a lot of passion for Dude, America. he just beat COVID in like a day and a half. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like holy cow, man. This guy is just, go, he's a boss. Well, that dirt off his shoulder. He's yeah. just like, I'm. He's, he's like, like, it's nope. too easy. It's too easy. <laughs> too easy. Yeah. Oh, I think, I mean, this guy, if he, I hope he wins, man. But if he yeah. wins, it'd be two rigged elections, an impeachment. COVID and probably, you know, five, I mean, somebody put a bomb in his mailbox, you know, like probably 5,000 assassination attempts. Like, I just think it would be crazy. But um, yeah. did you watch the, did you watch the vice presidential debates? Uh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, did, it was really good. I think Pence is, uh, he's a really good debater, man. He, uh, <laughs> he killed it. <laughs> he killed it. I, so I, 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 I watched it. I watched the whole thing. I took like three pages of notes um, because I just did a podcast about it. And, um, uh-huh. but uh, I didn't even think it was close. Like, I didn't think she had any, I mean, she just did uh-huh. the smirk and, and you want to talk about like first Pence, Pence came out with, with facts and logic and he just had a track record with the Trump campaign. And he was so nice. His demeanor, demeanor was so calm. Uh, And he had some nasty one-liners in there too. He did. She came out and she came out and she was just like, not a nice person. Like she was very, I don't know. She just, it was very distasteful, her personality to me. And, you know, usually when you're losing an argument or a debate, you do the smirk and you say, oh, good one, which she did the entire time. (laughs) So, I mean, for me, I think she, uh, I think that uh, Pence really kind of turned the tide there because I think the first debate was really, it wasn't very good. No, it was a standstill, I'd say. I don't think anybody changed their mind because- It really didn't. No. Because uh, it just kind of turned to one huge, you know, shouting match. But I think that Pence really kind of just wanted to point that, look, this is what we've done as administration. We've made a lot of progress, especially 
pre-COVID, you know, yeah. there was a lot of progress and um, he needed to, that needed to be, you know, said so that people, you know, know what's been going on. Yeah. And I, I just think uh, Kamala really had any response to that. She just didn't really have anything she could do other than just say, I mean, most things she was saying was really, you know, it's the biggest failure of administration, you know, yeah. ever. But it's, it really isn't. Um, no. It's, especially, um, you know, talking about that, if you look what the administration has done for minorities, especially, it is, it is huge. It's yeah. really huge. I think a lot of people should really look into seeing that, um, especially with um, one big one that would have affected me if I was still in, uh, like, high school or middle school. The was the one well th not just that the uh one where you can now you know go to any school you want not not living in that district you know you know yeah. that that was huge that's big. Uh, that when i was in high school and middle school that was something that you know it was very hard to do wasn't know, to, an option yeah it it was but you had to kind of do a long process for it yeah and um i know that helps a lot of of people to move to other places or go to schools that are maybe further away from where they live, but are yeah. much better for their education. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. I, I like that you brought that up because that is that is one of the best things uh, that I've seen come out. And that's been through this COVID. I mean, there's so many things that I feel like this administration has done through COVID. You know, they gave a hundred million dollars to the Tim Tebow Foundation to fight human trafficking. Yeah. Nowhere on CNN, nowhere. Yeah. If anybody else did that, you would see it everywhere. Oh, this, you know, that's, I mean, human trafficking is one of the most egregious evils that our yeah. world has ever seen. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's more people, it's basically slavery. I mean, there's more people that are slave to human trafficking than there has been uh, in general in the past, like, 100 to 400 years. So it's, it's a really slave, big deal. There's 40 million slaves worldwide. And what do they say? Like, like 60% of them are, are women and like sex yeah. traffic or something like that. Yeah. Some, fact check me on that. I don't know what the number is, but it's a high percentage is, is young girls for sex slavery. Yeah, uh, so terrible. the Trump administration just gave a hundred million dollars to Tim Tebow and his foundation uh, during, this is all during COVID. We're just talking about during COVID. Yeah. He, he, I believe during COVID he funded permanently funded HBCUs, historically black colleges. Is that, has it been during yeah, COVID? He, He's been, oh, it's been pre-COVID as well. He's yeah. been helping HBCUs a lot, yeah. Um, lot. And then he's nominated by two countries for a Nobel Peace Prize within that for for setting the groundwork for peace in the Middle East. Mm. Um, they and have Pre-COVID was uh, lowest unemployment rate, especially yep. for minorities, you know, since uh, what, Jim, like since Carter, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, like, yeah. It's insane. Yeah. He, he recently... Uh, he recently um, determined and put down the KKK as a domestic terrorist organization. Oh yeah. So that's four huge things in the last seven months that if any president did within their time, and they might not all be within the last seven months. Um, I'm not saying that I think they have been, but if any president did any of those four things in their time, that would be a, you know, a milestone accomplishment. He's done them all since COVID and it's not been talked about. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It is. And uh, that's just another thing with the, you know, the media, it's very heavily biased. Yeah. And that's why, like I was saying earlier, you really have to just go and, and find the information for yourself. Because yeah. um, no, not a lot of people are, are, you know, broadcasting it, you know? Yeah. So what's been, so you've expressed to me, and if this is more too touchy of a subject, you can let me know, but you've expressed to me some of the, um, some of the stuff, some of the scrutiny you've faced, you know, the, you know, like being called a coon and uncle Tom, what is like your experience with that? Where does that come from? Um, just, I mean, just explain your experience. I don't even know how to form the question. I just kind of want to hear like okay. your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I really haven't been like, uh, called that. Okay. Uh, okay. I just would say that, um, a lot of people I'm very close to, are, are very, um, I would say, passionate about that subject when it comes to race, like mm -hmm. I am. And um, just for me, you know, they, especially on the, the thing about 
systemic racism and uh, white privilege yeah. and stuff like that. And, you know, for me, uh, the way I see it is like, I mean, there's no question that some people have more privilege than other people. Sure. But I mean, you could make the argument that every person has more privilege in some manner than every other person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so to just say that, oh, this because this person is white and they're doing well and this person is black and they're not doing well, then that has to be some form of systemic racism or, or white privilege. Yeah. I mean, you can, there's many other variables that are at play, you know? Yeah. What about a black person that's doing well, you know, and a white person that's not doing well? Mm-hmm. What is, what, what would that be called, you know? And it's yeah. the whole thing to me about too, like, just because our country is majority white, that doesn't mean all the minorities, like specifically black people are um, at the downfall because of their them being white. You know, what about if I go to, is that the same? Cause I could say that for the same as a Chinese person in China. I mean, if you're a Chinese person in China, more the majority is gonna be comfortable in wherever the majority is, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, black person in Africa or Mex- Mexican in Mexico. Yeah. So the whole point of, uh, to me in, uh, for white privilege, is just a very shallow argument because it doesn't really solve the problem in terms of what's really happening to why Af- uh, African Americans are, are where they're at. Yeah. And I, I mean, and that's to me, it's a victim mentality because you know, if you kind of put your, it's very convenient to say, oh, the reason why I'm not doing well is because this person is, uh, is, is doing well. You know blame what I'm saying? On, blame it on somebody else. Yeah. So it's nobody's fault. It's very convenient to do that. But the point is, I think that it's not a race issue. I think it's a responsibility issue. I think that people that take responsibility for what they have get to where they are. I mean, mm-hmm. and there's, Plenty of examples of this, and it excludes race. I mean, yeah. plenty of examples. I mean, you can talk about one of the more outspoken guys about this, who's LeBron James. He's the one that's been really been vocal about this. But he's he himself is at the place he has he he is because of him taking responsibility. You know, he's at the position because he yeah. knew he has a he had a privilege of being able to be given a great ability to play basketball. He took that. He worked very hard and got to where he was because of that. He yeah. he took advantage. Well, There's so it, many other examples. It seems like ben now Carson, he's trying, I mean, Yeah. Well, it seems like now, like people, like some people, like in LeBron's position, are trying to rewrite history, as if like right they didn't have to work for what they got, and or I don't know. It's just weird. I don't like, or if they were like the lucky one, you know. It's like no. I mean. America yeah. is or some outlier or something. Yeah. Like it's that's not how it is. It's no. really it's really that simple. Like I uh what's another thing that um um they talk about cuz it's that whole that whole like I call it like kind of like ideology is the whole thing of like somehow um equality of like outcome is what they really want is like say if like you yeah. know so they you know so yeah, equality of outcome, and this comes up with the uh, with the you know the gender wage gap and uh, and right. stuff like that, which that's a that's a socialistic idea. Like if I go to school for you know eight years and I become a doctor, I shouldn't be getting paid for the the same as the guy that dropped out of high school. Like that's a quality of outcome, and that's what a lot of people are pushing for. That's not okay. Um, but I feel like this white privilege argument really gets debunked. Um, with when you look at Asian Americans, Asian Americans have the highest quality of living yeah. in the United States. Yeah. And throughout yeah. the 1940s, 50s, they had the lowest quality of living because of, you know, the internment camps we put them in and stuff like that. So uh, I feel like the argument when you bring it to the forefront, like it really, and being out here in Oregon, you know, I've gotten in these conversations repeatedly. They do this thing at Oregon State, which is a complete sham. Uh, called real talk. It's not real talk. It's just uh, a bunch of people talking about how bad white people are. Um, yeah. And we had to do, and this is what Trump said in the first debate. Uh, we had to do these diversity trainings that they used the wrestling team as the guinea pigs for. And right. 
listen, diversity training is great. You and I come from different backgrounds. Um, I think it's helpful to know that. I think it's helpful to understand that and to be able to work together. But when we come from different backgrounds and you say, hey, you're inherently racist because you're white. I'm a certain color. I'm a, a POC, a person of color. I can't be racist and you can't experience racism. Uh, yeah, we need to get rid of that because whoever is teaching that and making money needs to be ashamed of themselves and needs to be, um, you know, in, in my opinion, they need to be on the street looking for a job. Doing yeah, something I mean, because it's like they're teaching you not to be racist by being racist. Like it's like reverse racism, basically. Well, like, it's racism. You, There's no such thing as reverse racism. Reverse racism is, <laughs> is not being racist. Uh, well, I mean, it's like they're, they're reversing it onto another race. It just yeah. doesn't. It's not, it's, it's not logical to me yeah. well, to, uh, to do that. I've asked this I question. Think that, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to no, say, I've asked ahead. this question. There's a few questions because I know people listening are college students that are going through this right now. Um, first of all, yeah. the wrestling team gave a big fuss about this. It was, it was not a good, it was not a good situation. Um, they, really? they should have used a different guinea pig group. I'll just say that right now. Um, <laughs> but it was, but okay, but me saying that though, um, I actually yeah. went and got smoothies with the two instructors. You know, I didn't agree with them on that. I thought what they were teaching was wrong, but I didn't think that they were, you know, evil or anything. I just thought they were taught wrong and yeah. they're continuing to do it. And we actually went, we had a great time and they disagreed with me on politics and everything. Um, but we had, we had a good time. We were able to create common ground and enjoy each other's company in that time, regardless um, I, but they teach this in schools and then it gets perpetuated in these small groups. So my school, my old college, Oregon State, they do this thing called Real yeah. Talk every Thursday night. And there's some very genuine, very amazing people that do that and participate and are even leaders in that. Um, but there is a very evil message when, when you are telling people, if you want to do that, if you want to say people are you know, wrong, you should, you should come with the caveat that we are all evil, we are all sinners, we are all broken, and we all need a savior. And nobody's exempt yeah. from that, as opposed to saying you're racist, you're white, you're this, and I'm not any of those things, but you need help. Yeah, and that's and what that's, they do, though. They they is. generalize, like, they try to. It's very it's very like strategical because they like they generalize you into a group, and then you, they try to isolate you from the other groups. Say like, oh, you don't understand me because. I'm black and you're white, so you'll never understand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's 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 kind of taking away from the individual person because really what you need to do to solve the problem is not to, you know, group everybody to to the into this race type of thing. Yeah. Because you have to you have to understand that regardless of what color I am, I'm still a person. Yeah. And that's what that's how you solve the problem. You solve the problem by actually sorry, this is messing up. You solve the problem by talking to the per, 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 talk to the people as an individual. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. You have to talk to them as an individual. And that's what um, you know, when you're talking about going and having a conversation with somebody, even if you don't even agree with them. Yeah. Like that is so important because, you know, people I feel like that's something that's kind of going away. Like it's a lot of people are just like, oh, you don't agree with me? Well, then, you know, we can't even be friends or something like that. I've, yeah. I've heard that before. I'm just like, it's it, it's very uh, detrimental to you or and the other person to not be able to share different views and be able to see, okay, I understand why you believe like that. Well, this is how I believe it, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that once you do stuff like that, you're breaking that barrier of, again, isolating yourself from um i guess other people just because of something you assume they are yeah because you know oh you're a racist because, just because you believe that well you don't even know me why don't you get to know me and we'll and let's talk about it yeah. i think that's very important that's that would really solve a lot of the problems is actually getting to know people instead of assuming who they are you know what i mean yeah and i and i've had i've run into this too because i've, I've dealt with friends and teammates and people that have, you know, perpetuated this narrative and, and you go to talk to them and you, and you, you know, I've, I've had this personally happen where I've, I've tried to talk with this person. I've tried to, you know, express some of my pains and some of my past, you know, hurts and vulnerabilities and say, Hey man, like I can relate. And 
you know, we don't need to be enemies. Like we have, we have a common enemy, which is evil. And I can relate to that. And it's happened before where the message, the response is, no, man, you're white. Like you don't understand. You don't get it. And that's a very, and and I feel like at that point, really the only thing you can do is pray for that person and be a witness to them. And when they come back around, you say, Hey man, like, you know, you welcome with open arms. You don't say, I told you so. Um, But it is, when you can't break with people, when you can't hurt with people, um, that's, uh, and you can't let other people hurt with you. Maybe they don't. I equate that to if like a lady came into a clinic or a hospital or, or a police station or whatever. And she said, she's bawling, she's tearing up, she's crying. And she's like, I've just been raped. And somebody came up to her and said, well, welcome to the club, sweetheart. We've all been raped. Does that help? No, not really. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. And I know it's a crude example, but I mean, it seems like to be yeah. the same thing. It's like, it doesn't help the situation <laughs> to say, to be the bigger victim. Being the bigger victim doesn't ever help the situation, I don't think. No, it doesn't. Because, yeah. again, it doesn't solve the problem. It's no. just more, it's just victim with victim. It doesn't, doesn't solve the problem at all. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I think that's why I think the most important thing of, of that is just you know whatever is going on in like individ in your individual life that's your like it's your responsibility to like deal deal with it and that that includes um you getting help like you yeah. said so that's why you know if you want to help someone but they don't want your help that's not on that's not on you that once they are want to do that that's their responsibility like hey i would like to be helped so yeah that's why you pray for them and you know you just be there you know for them but um yeah, it's up. It's really ended up being your responsibility to basically solve your your problems. You know, yeah, a lot of it. well, I mean, and I, I'm in general, in general, but yeah. yeah. And I, you know, and I think COVID has done a good job exposing some of this stuff, um, exposing yeah. what we need and exposing. You know, I feel like the biggest thing COVID has done, especially for me and a lot of people, is exposing what is truly important and what you can really control. And really, the only thing that is really important is relationship. And the only thing we can really control is who we are. Yeah. You know what and I mean? You could, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can't, who you are and what you do sure. when circumstances come your way. It's sure. That's what you can control. Your, yeah. your, your reaction to what's happening to you, basically, yeah. yeah. That's what you can control. You can only control what you do you can't control how other people react or, you know, you can control, you know, filing a, um, or I'm sorry, uh, applying for a job. You can't control whether or not you get that job unless you're qualified, then you can control a little bit more, but, but it goes back to who you are, like who you are is going to help you get that job. Who you are is going to determine, you know, where your family's trajectory goes, who you are is going to determine where you go in this life. Um, and so I feel like ultimately, I, I do I do have some high hopes for when this stuff I, I do feel like there's gonna be like a spiritual revival in this country. I think there's gonna be a lot of people in that that position where they're like, you know, I think I think already there's been a ton of people getting saved um, because the question of morality has come up, you know, at least two hundred and fifteen thousand times, you know, as we've seen with the COVID death rate. Um, so that question is coming up a lot, and I think a lot of people are a lot of objective people, you know, are forced to ask themselves, well, what's going to happen if this happens to me, you know? Yeah. And, and I think the only good solution, I mean, and we would both agree is, you know, Jesus, like you, like, where, where are you, where's your standing with God? Where's your footing with God? And that's ultimately the most important thing. And yeah. that's, so I, that's great that you made that point on, you know, who you are, because that, that intertwines that, because, you know, who you are and who God, you know, who God uh, thinks you are should be like intertwined. Like it should be basically the same thing, you know, Yeah. because um, that really um, is what I think is not a solution to it is, is really just if you know who God knows you are, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't worry about what other people think. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You don't really worry about um, um I mean, you you're aware of what's going on, 
but you know that because God is in you, you know that you can be able to, you know, take that responsibility to say, look, I know what I want, I want to be. I know what God wants me to do. There's nothing that's uh, going to stop me from doing that, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what really is really needed, especially like in people are like people our age, you know, people in college and in high school. Cause I feel like, um, you know, kind of going a little bit back to, you know, African-Americans, like one of the, you know, you know, for me, I'm very fortunate. I've had uh, a father in my life, you know? Yeah. yeah. I got to grab my charger. Sorry. Oh, you're good. You're good. Listening. Uh, a father in my life to basically, you know, kind of give me that structure to know, you know, what it is to be, to like be confident in yourself and, you know, how to just kind of fight, you know? And I think that a lot of, you know, African-American men, I know it's well over 70% are growing up without a father. And that's just, that's a huge, 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 like important thing in any, any child's life, but especially a, a guy's life, you know, um, growing up and, you know, you know, it's single mothers are doing a great job of, do, of, you know, raising men. But I think that, you know, just having, a, a man in the house is what helps just especially for a man be able to be like hey what you're doing is you're going down the right path you know if you're doing something wrong this is what you should be doing mm -hmm. you know i feel like that's so important i think that's why a lot of stuff that's happening in the african-american community in terms of you know violence and stuff like that is a cause of that you know you know um and it's, it's really sad to see but i think that like you know, that's, again, goes back to responsibility, I guess, you know, you, you really have, it's, it's so important. Like, I, I can't emphasize that much, especially, you know, for me being a single guy, I, you know, a lot of people think that like when you're single, it's just like, you can do whatever you want, you know, mm. but really when you're single, you're actually just preparing for yourself. You know, what you do in your single years is basically kind of what you're going to do when you're, you know, married. Yeah, it does. A lot of people are under the, like the illusion that it'll change when you're married, like your habits, yeah. like, I mean, we have good at like scientific evidence that habits don't just change overnight. They just change, don't like, just flip like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, like you don't just, oh. you know, it's, yeah, I, I continue, sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. So, I mean, it's really important, you know, that you gotta realize, especially if you're African-American, I mean, the real point is if you really want to change what's going on, uh, you know, with our culture and stuff like that, you really got to, you know, sit down for yourself and say, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I want my family to be like. This is what, whatever happened to you that you didn't want to happen, you know, to your family in the future. Mm -hmm. You want to write that stuff down, man. Like just say, you know, plan it out and just, and works towards it. It's just like being an athlete, you know, like if you're, if you're going to be an athlete, you're not just going to show up on the field. You know, if I'm a football player, I'm not just going to show up the field and, you know, think I'm going to get the starting job yeah. just, by, you know, showing up, you know, it's, it took, it takes all summer practice, watching film, you know, perfecting my craft in the, in the smallest things, yeah. you know, it, it takes a lot of, it takes work and, that's what's, uh, it's, it's very important that people take that and, and realize that is in the end, it's not all about you, you know, yeah. it's really not. And what you do affects other people significantly. And yeah. so, um, I'm not kind of straight far. What we no, were no, no, about you're going, we, we don't have uh, yeah. a certain topic we're going into. So, um, but that's, but yeah. that's culture though. It's, look out for number one. I mean, that's why we're seeing the abortion rate go through the roof. That's why we're seeing the divorce rate go through the roof. You know, the, oh. the absentee father rate go through the roof, uh, the adoption, like all these things, you know, the suicide rate, you know, the murder rate, like all these things are going through the roof because it's look out for number one. And I get, we live in a free country and we live in a, a society. And with that comes certain risks, but I'm, 
speaking to the individual right now, like just what you said, like make a list of what you want. What do you want in this life? If you want to be married, don't go talk to the people that are divorced three times. Go talk to the person, you know, in your church that's been married for the last 50 years and say, hey, how did you do it? You know, and talk to multiple couples like that. If you see a great family, you know, the all-American family where they all go to church dressed up on Sunday and they, you know, they respect each other. And, and just because they go to church on Sunday doesn't mean it's a good thing. But look at their day-to-day. Look how they treat other people. Look how they treat their mom, you know, when you're over at their house. Look how they treat their dad. Look how their dad treats their mom, you know, yeah. big things. And say, hey, ask them. Legitimately sit them down and say, hey, um, you know, how, how is this happening? And go with though that data point. Don't look at how your friends are doing. Don't listen to the locker room which says, hey, man, you need to have sex with this chick. You know where that leads in, in 10, 15, 20 years? Exactly where... 50% of the population is going in a negative way. You know, it, it, yeah. it leads to divorce. It leads to broken households. It leads to kids going out on the street and doing drugs. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. That's the most important thing in a society is the familial structure, the family structure. And yes. I think that's the yeah. biggest thing that, you know, the devil, the enemy tries to attack. And he tries to attack it yeah. at a sexual level with pornography and, you know, misconstruing in those locker rooms what is the right way to conduct yourself he tries to attack it um you know with trust he tries to attack it by getting the father out of the household the home Um, you know so certain things it's just so if you want to change things like it has to be an internal change like it has to be something and it's not going to be a quick fix you know just like changing a habit isn't going to fix anything um you know rioting isn't going to fix anything it's the same thing with the family. Like you're not going to change your kids' lives by being the same person your dad or your mom was if they did a horrible job. You know, like it. it it's a. It's a. It's yeah. a long process, but it's definitely worth it. I. Feel. It's worth it. Yeah, it takes work, but it's. It's. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. And um, like like I said, yeah, I think that's the most important thing is the family structure. Uh, is what really brings about the full change because the government's not going to change it. They can put the laws and all that stuff, but in the end, it's really the people that are going to make it actually happen, you know? But yeah, as you were saying, I think, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely the family um, is it's huge. I mean, it is the foundation for civil society is the family. Yeah. And the marriage and the marriage bond and all the benefits and stuff that comes with that and the commitment. Uh, it's just, it's huge. It's pivotal. You can't have, and, and you're seeing it, you know, um, you're, I mean, you're seeing it. It's a huge, I mean, abortion directly ties into this, you know, because people aren't taking responsibility. And um, I mean, the whole world is just confused on sex, which, you know, is making them confused on marriage, which is making the whole country in the world confused on how to conduct yourself, you know, like if marriage, if marriage biblically is the, you know, the representation of Christ's relationship with the church, then the enemy is going to do everything he can to destroy that. And and it's going to have to be like a, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, it's gonna have to be like Terminator. Like you can't just, you're not gonna be able to kill John Connor, you know, in present day, like he's already John Connor. You got to go back when he's a baby. So you got to attack that, you know, that nine-year-old kid and yeah. Protect the foundation exactly. Yeah, and so, but, well, man, I think uh, that's about an hour. Really? Wow. It went by by fast. That went by pretty quick. Yeah. I know, man. Well, we'll have to. uh, We're gonna have to catch up on the phone sometime. It's a little different with with the podcast and stuff. You know, you're more geared towards talking points. But uh, let's uh, let's catch up this weekend, um, just over the phone. Maybe we'll we'll have a little. uh, little FaceTime with Gus. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. I freaking hate that. I haven't guy. talked to him forever, man. Really? He, no, uh, I haven't talked to him in a long time. He's come out here a couple times. Uh him and him, Carlos and Russell came out here a couple of months ago. And then uh yeah, I saw pictures on uh, uh Instagram. Dude, we need to get you out here sometime. Get on the West Coast. Yeah, man. I need to. I do. We'll hit you. I we'll got, hit you. I, they need to be they'll bring the whole gang, man. Right? Yeah, everybody, everybody just you know, yeah. everybody pay for their ticket and I'll just uh, I'll stay here. And you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll buy a house. That's we, what I'll do. I'll buy a big house, everybody can come stay at the house. That's that's how that's how we yeah, get it out. House. 
Yeah. All right. All right. Bet. Bet. No, it'll be good. It'll be good, man. Well, hey, brother. I love you, man. It's it's good to hear that you're doing well. Thanks for talking with me. Yeah. Um. I'll, yeah. Thanks I'll for having me, man. It was a yeah, great time. I appreciate it. You got a great you got a great perspective on on life and everything. So it's good to hear from you. Text me um, how I can be praying for you. I don't. We don't need to get into that on this. But uh, I'll call you. Yeah. I'll call you this weekend. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. See you. Chad. All right. See you. Bye. Peace.